Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the show. Thanks for having us on wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. This show on this Wednesday, that's right, it was garbage day for me, so it is Wednesday. That's how I remember it. I know I'm getting old. Brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Those on the phone, that is. We'll have a couple of live guests here at the Brand Center. Uh... For Western Pizza, order the Rough Rider Sweet Deal. And from Western Pizza, you and a friend could be watching a Rider game from a luxury suite. We are coming to you from the concourse here at the Brandt Center, getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. The Warriors come in 6-4 and four on the season. The Pats are 6-5-0-1. Oh, the last time these teams played was before that snow storm on the weekend. They played in Moose Jaw. The Warriors scored four in the first on route to a 5-2 win over the Pats. So they've had a bit of a break here. The game was supposed to go Sunday. It's been moved to tonight, so we'll have the broadcast at uh, 6.35 with the pregame show with Dante DiCaria. A play-by-play with the formerly mentioned Dante DiCaria at 7, and he will join us here momentarily as uh, he got his... Uh, he's also... He does the lineups and everything for uh, the media, and he got Moose Jaw stuff a little late, and he's had some... Uh, little uh, bit of a snafu in the office, so he'll be here as fast as he can. But we can carry it. we got lots to talk about. Rider player nominees. They are out. The most outstanding player and defensive player as voted on by the media, Darnell Sankey. Absolutely. There, there's no doubt about it. Darnell Sankey, first with a bullet in both those categories. Rookie of the year, Frankie Hickson, the former Liberty Flame running back, coached by Ken Austin over there at that university. He is the Riders nominee for rookie of the year. The offensive lineman, <laughs> when you give up 71 sacks, it's hard to vote, but I did give it to Logan Furlan, and he indeed is the nominee for outstanding lineman for the Riders. My number two was... Um, Logan Bandy because he came in after Dan Clark went down with that leg injury and he uh, did a pretty good job at center getting thrown into the fire of the former Calgary Dino. Outstanding Canadian Key and Schaefer Baker. He is 65 yards shy of a 1,000 yard season. Still has a year left on his contract although you know he'll probably garner some NFL interest. He is in the running for Outstanding Canadian and I think he's got a pretty good chance. Well, I, nah, I don't know. It depends how the voters look at it. We'll get into that in a bit but Key and Schaefer Baker definitely worthy. I, I think he's probably maybe third best Canadian and we'll get into that like I said in the in the west sorry and my special teams player and they went with the same thing I went with Mario Alford just the fifth player in CFL history the illustrious longevity of this league and the illustrious history he has returned to 
a, a kick for a touchdown, a missed field goal for a touchdown, and a punt return for a touchdown all in the same season. Staying with football for a second before we get to Dante, the 6-0 and Eagles emerged from their bye. They're doing it with a new addition at pass rusher. Per multiple reports, the Bears are trading Robert Quinn to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick. And my San Diego slash L.A. Chargers, they'll always be the San Diego Super Chargers to me. They always win the offseason and then always get hurt. Receiver Mike Williams out at least a month with an ankle injury, the high ankle sprain, so he'll be hoop for the year. Uh, Keenan Allen trying to come back from a hamstring injury. Played the first half but didn't want to push it in the second half. Rashawn Slater, their left tackle, is out for the year with a biceps tear. Joey Bosa had groin surgery. He's not expected back till probably the end of November. J.C. Jackson, their corner, hurt himself last week jumping to try to break up a touchdown pass, which the Seahawks did catch. And J.C. Jackson's out with a knee injury. Corey Lindsley, the best blocking center in the league in terms of pass blocking his knee issues. He's in and out of the lineup. Uh, Trey Pipkins, a right tackle, knee issues, and Justin Herbert playing with broken ribs. Here's how stupid, and I say stupid, and I mean stupid. Here's how stupid some fans can get. <laughs> what is happening to Herbert this year? He's really taking a step backwards. Hey, goofball, he's playing with broken ribs. You wouldn't get off the couch to make yourself a sandwich and grab a beer to watch an NFL or CFL game. And this dude is playing NFL football with broken ribs. Oh, what's happening to him? What the heck happened to him? In some ways, it's some of the... Boy, Cody's not very good. Well, it's kind of hard to complete a pass when you're looking at the sky 60 times out of the year. So uh, sometimes fans, they, they get uh, deluded with their opinions. And in the NHL tonight, well, the winless Canucks, first of all, have placed forwards Brock Besser and Curtis Lazar on injured reserve. It just keeps getting worse for the Canucks, who are 0-5-2 on the season. Uh, three games tonight, Bolts at Ducks. Islanders host the Rangers. And it's the Oilers visiting the Blues. One and three Sixers at the two and two Raptors. And Serena Williams says she's not retired and may return to tennis. The most shocking part to me is I didn't even know she was dating Giselle Bunchton. I didn't know that. Because you got to be dating her to retire and unretire, don't you? Joining me now, Dante DeCary, a voice of your Regina Pat. So, uh... You're not just the Pat's voice. You also do the stats and everything. So did you get it all sorted out, man? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. Not I, would, I won't tie you up too much. No, no, no. We're good. We're good till, uh, I don't know. How long well, a couple more know. segments. So here, so here's the thing. Uh, does this uh, little um, weather delay, so to speak, uh, will it add to a little more P&V for tonight's game? You know what I mean? Well, I mean... From what I'm gathering, both teams a little bit hesitant to submit their lineups <laughs> early. Yeah. Because from I just got Moose Jaw's lineup, lots of question marks okay. beside a lot of players. So okay. why would that be injuries? Yeah, I, I, it looks like it. I mean, I have I see Denton Matechuk's a TBD for, okay. for game time. He's a you know first round pick of the Blue Jackets, and then you've got Tanner Howe, who's also a TBD for the Pats. So another reason why, yeah, both teams a little bit. Uh, when you got to have that in by? By the way, is there like a fifteen minute time frame before the game? Four, four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's usually 4 o'clock, but um, it's 4.12 right now. <laughs> hey, so uh, the last game, rewind to the last game yeah. in Moose Jaw. Four, I, were, I listened to the first period, and honestly... Not sure if I want to talk too much. Yeah, about I shut it off after the first period. Four goals. I was like, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, no, it was... Um, 
Kelly and I talked about it in the broadcast over Fox, and yeah. there just was no jump right off the hop. Yeah. And Drew Sim had a really good game. I think that's really the only positive to take out of that hockey game is the fact that it could have been 10-2 if not for Drew Sim. Mm-hmm. And last year, Mushell scored double digits against the Pats last year, and they had to change the goaltenders twice, and they still gave up double-digit goals. I think they lost 12-3 or something like that in Mushell last year. And that's when the goaltending wasn't good. Now that the goaltending is good, they still gave up five goals, which is still a positive because they only lost by three. But uh, there was just, like, I didn't see too much. Like, I don't even know what to say, to be quite honest with you. But I expect the Pats to bounce back tonight because they've had pretty much, I mean, six days to think about that one and to practice and get ready for this one tonight. Yeah, that was uh, definitely their their most disappointing game of the season on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But I, I have no doubt in my mind that they will bounce back tonight. Good stretch of uh, of games here, and a couple of teams that we're not that we haven't yeah. seen in a long time rolling through here. Some West teams, which is cool. Yeah, Everett on Saturday here inside the Brand Center. Then Sunday, a four o'clock game against the Tri City Americans. And uh, the last time the Pats faced off against those teams was you know three years ago, right pre COVID. So mm-hmm. that's going to be exciting for fans to see you know some of those those players. And I was looking through the rosters of both teams. They have a lot of Saskatchewan, Alberta, like a lot of Prairie Boys on their team, right? So I suspect that they're going to have their friends and family here as well. Yeah, which is always I think it's always cool for those Amer- for those American teams to come down here and and have uh, some of the players that were drafted out of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, or Alberta have their friends and family here. Well, it used to be, and I've stolen this uh, myself when I'm talking about uh, junior players or like football players or the U Sports football players. But the the WHL always had the slogan uh, "Stars of Tomorrow Today," and it really was that. Like you you'd come to the rink when I was younger, you'd watch a Ginla, you watch a Dano. Chara, you know, the Mike Madanos of the world, and then you watch them t- five years later. Well, Paddock talked about it too. Y- you can get a cheap ticket now, relatively cheap to watch Connor Bedard, or you can spend hundreds and go watch him next year somewhere else. Well, right? I mean, fans that are going to be filing into the Brand Center tonight are probably going to see players that they're going to be watching on Sportsnet or on TV in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Braden Yeager, Danton Matejchuk, Jagger Furkus for Moose Jaw, and then you've got Connor Bedard, probably Tanner Howe as well, and yeah. maybe Svolzel and Suzdalev, right? Yeah. Like, that's how talented those players are so yeah. it's exciting to, to come out uh, and watch Western Hockey League action because at least one of those players that I just mentioned is going to be in the NHL next year probably Connor Bedard but I mean Braden Yeager's not too far behind him he's also really good as well he's projected to be a top five pick yeah so um, yeah I mean those two players have been going toe-to-toe since they played against each other as 15 year olds in the hub and last year as 16 year olds and now as 17 year olds you're uh, you know Moostra had some guys coming late because they had more guys at yeah. camp is that really why they're Record six and four. Yeah, they're six and four. They've won two in a row, though. Yeah, um, that's following a two-game losing streak. So they're playing uh, some better hockey as of late. Um, I think if you ask Marco Leary and Jason Ripplinger, their staff, they'll probably say that they've still been playing some some inconsistent hockey to start the year. But it's going to take time for them to get going. Look at Swift Current. I mean, they're I think two and seven the last time I looked, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to be really good. Yeah, this you year. were high on them. I, I'm very, I'm still very high on Swift Current. I think their back end now that I've seen them three times is a little weak. Personally, they need to upgrade on the back end, but offensively, I, I mean, once they get going, it's the same thing with the Pats. Like they're six five zero oh, and one, right? The yeah. Pats. So is that kind of where you? Uh, no, I think they're better than that. Like okay. they, they they've had the goaltending. Their defense has been decently good. Mm. Just offensively, they just haven't found a way to score five, six, seven goals in a hockey game, mm. right? Like we're seeing this team score win games four three. Right, mm-hmm. that's very unca- uncharacteristic of this team because mm-hmm. last year they had to win game seven six. Now 
I'm sure it's a positive that you're only giving up, say, three to four goals against per game. But uh, the offense, which is averaging about, you know, three and a half goals per hockey game, last year they averaged almost four. Yeah. Right? So you're talking about a team last year that really knew how to score, and they have the same scores coming back. I mean, Cole Dominski's a year older. You add a, a score in, in Alexander Suzdalev, yeah. who helps. Right? So I, I have no doubt in my mind that they will score as many goals as they did last year, if not more, but it's only a matter of time. So what's a good goals against night? Like, what's a jet? Is it I three? I would say three. Yeah. Three? three in this league, for sure, three. I mean, I look at the save percentages more than the goals against average, to be quite honest with you, Michael, because... Save percentage to me is a much more important stat, whereas goals against is more of a team statistic. So what's a good save percentage for a goal? Over 900. Over I think 900. 900 and above for me would be a good mm-hmm. good save percentage. I mean, Drew Sims 906, Keepers 915, that's very good. Yeah. All right, we're going to get back with more from Dante DiCaria. One more segment here. It is a sports cage for spreads.ca, and it's coming to you live from the Brand Center ahead of the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors here on 620. The Lions Club. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Just over four minutes to play here in the first. Still 0-0. Kessel is on it. He's cruising. Kessel breaks in. Shoots and scores. Number 400 for Phil the Thrill. And the Vegas Golden Knights are up one to nothing. Watch the way he just blows by. It didn't look like he was putting all that much effort in, but he just simply skates by. Puck on his stick, three hard strides, and he's got the angle. Well, Phil Kessel set a new NHL Ironman record with his 990th consecutive game and scored his 400th goal on Tuesday night, helping the Golden Knights win 4-2 over the Sharks. The Ironman. Phil Castle, today's sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, rogator, gleaner, and fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Thanks, Zinger. I'll tell you what, Zinger's hanging in there, man. Guy's a Swiss Army knife. He's battling COVID and uh, trying to get through it. I mean, he's through COVID, but it just kicked the crap out of him. We thank him for playing Hurt. Joining me here, one of the great up-and-coming broadcasters in the Western Hockey League, it'd be Dante DiCaria, voice of your Regina Pats. We'll hear from James Gallo after five, long-time voice of the Moose Jaw Legend. Warriors. Hey, so uh, Connor Bedard, I'm watching uh, I'm watching the Oiler game the other day, and the, in between periods, their, their, their question, uh, this or that, should the Vancouver Canucks... You know, really push to they make should. the playoffs, or no, sorry, should, or should they tank for Connor Bedard? I don't think they should tank, but I do think that they should trade off some of those players and at least try to get themselves in the lottery to get Connor Bedard. Mm. You're talking about a guy who loves the Vancouver Canucks. I yeah, mean, yeah. adores his yeah. family. Yeah. Like you ask him, what's his first hockey memory? He'll say 2011. Eastern Conference, or sorry, Western Conference Finals. Mm. Right? Chicago and uh, Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the Bexigal, yeah. right, against San Jose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Vancouver up 3 1 in that series, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, and he was six. Mm-hmm. He was six years old. Mm-hmm. I was in grade seven, right? And I remember it very, 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 very well. And I was heartbroken. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I so badly wanted to see a Canadian team win the cup. And I wasn't. I want the next Canadian team to be the Oilers. So I was like, yes, go Boston. 
Well, they had their chance in 06. I know they did, and yeah. hopefully they, they have it. Carolina. Uh, hopefully they have it soon. But, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I think the Canucks. Uh, it would be a great fit for him. I asked him that, eh, uh, when he was on the sports cage. Is it is it weird to sit there, pass by TV or a radio or a podcast, when people are talking about the Bedard sweepstakes, either Arizona, Chicago, Montreal, whoever? And he said, Yeah, it is kind of weird. Kind of got to pinch yourself. But you told me off the air, you don't ask him about any of that. No, stuff. I don't. I don't. I've actually never once talked to him about the. NHL draft or his draft ranking or going number one, not once. And I have a good relationship with Connor. Yeah, and we just—it just never has come up in conversation. I've never asked him about it. Is there a reason why you don't want to ask him? I, you, you know what? Like I think he gets talked to about it so much by everybody else. Everybody. Yeah. And online, social media, he sees yeah. the articles and stuff like that. When you're when you're with that guy, I shouldn't say in the trenches, but when you're with that guy day to day, you're talking six, seven days a week on the road, on the bus, you don't really see him as that. You know what I mean? You just see him just as another guy. It's crazy, you know, uh, we joke because he had just, uh, he took his mom's RAV4 and that's how he got his license and we jo- joked about that, okay? Just to put it into perspective, the dude is 17 years old, yeah. okay? Like he's he's... He's just driving. He's 17. And Carey Price just came out yesterday, did a great article with yeah, The Athletic, talking about how alcoholism and dealing with stress, and he didn't deal with it very well, and he turned to alcohol, and 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 he talked about social media and everything. You're talking about a grizzled veteran that's been through it all. I'm not saying Connor's going down that road, but just think well, about... He doesn't just, have Twitter. No, okay, but just think about that, though. Think about this kid is 17 years old. He has talked about being, I don't know about the next one, but he's the guy that everybody's talking about, the first overall pick and, and social media. And even if he's not on it, he's hearing about it. That's a lot of stress for a young kid. It is a lot of stress. But I don't think he really looks at it or reads into it, at least from what I've gathered from mm-hmm. being around Connor Bedard over the last year and a bit. Yeah. And it's been a great year and a bit to be around him because he treats everyone else just like normal people. Yeah. Right? And I think that's how he was raised by his parents. Yeah. It's, it's hard to put it into words, Michael, to be quite honest with you, because I've talked about him so much over the last yeah. year. I've kind of run out of ways to describe him. Yeah. Right, and we've talked about him oh, so when much. We st- and we will, and it'll be it'll be a season like that because it is the season, right? No, but no, no I understand. But I understand. you're right. But you're right. You and and especially you because you've probably been interviewed by a bunch of shows. You talk about him, talk about well, him during the game and everything, right? Yeah, and you know, I remember when we went to Edmonton, the um, the Oilers uh, pregame show wanted yeah. me to come on, so I went on the Oilers pregame show, and they were asking about Connor coming into town, blah 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 blah. And they were asking about me as a player, and I turned around and said, you know what, Like, I don't really think I'm equipped, really, because I've talked yeah. about it so much. Like, I don't know what else to say to talk about him as a player, but if you want to know what he's like as a person, yeah. I am more than happy to talk about him yeah. in that facet. In terms of his play on the ice, what can you say? He's great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Obviously, I think he would be one of the first people to say that he would like to work on his defensive play yeah. and his play away from the puck. He but did say that, yeah. But he's only 17, right? That's right. You forget and about that. I th- like I think people forget that Crosby, McDavid, all these stars that come through at 18 years old to the NHL, which he probably will next year, weren't the greatest defenders, right? Like we're like it's a very small group of players that can play that 200 foot game. I don't even know if McDavid is a great defender yet. To exactly. be honest with you, he's not as bad as he used to be. But say Crosby, like Crosby's so well known to being a two way player, right? Yeah. 
But I don't know if he was like that. But at some guys, I know you got to do some of it. But some guys, I don't want. I got ditch diggers. I don't need a ditch digger. I need a guy that can score at this like end. You know Patty what I mean? Kane. Yeah, like I don't need a ditch digger. Yeah. I always get that. Hey, he doesn't play defense. I don't care. He scores. But the four question goals. is, will he be a Patrick Kane type player, yeah. or will he turn into an Austin Matthews type player? Because Austin Matthews does not get enough credit, I think, for his two way game. Yeah. Obviously, he has more size than Connor Bedard. I think yeah. it's obviously going to be a lot tougher for Bedard to be like a Matthews because Matthews is, I think, is six three and Connor's five ten. Yeah. Right, I think Connor will probably get to five eleven six feet, mm-hmm. but he's he's still very strong. He's one hundred eighty three pounds. Yeah, and he's been more physical this year. We got a quick call before we let you go. Let's go to John, the Habs fan. John, go ahead. Hey guys, how you doing? Good man. What's up? Well, for my own selfish reasons, balls. Yeah, I want him in Montreal. I mean, he'd be the best player since Guy Lafleur there, and as you know, I saw Lafleur in his prime. So that says a you lot. Sure. Yeah, you. But I'll tell you what, though, John, you got to have your team start losing a little more. I know they lost yesterday to Minnesota. They come out of the gate pretty good, though, this year. They did. You know what? They uh, they're learning under St. Louis. the The objective there is not to uh, win; it's to learn, and then uh, get better as they go, and then become the team that everybody thinks they are. But they need a goaltender in the worst way before that to happen, because you can be as good as you want and have all these guys, but if you don't have a goalie. You're terrible. Buffalo's a prime example of that. Yeah. John, I think to add to your point there, I don't know if Montreal is going to have an opportunity to get that first overall pick the way they're playing because of the moves that they made in the offseason. Like, they really added with guys like Monaghan and Doc and so on and mm-hmm. so forth and Slavkowski and all that. I think Monaghan's been better well, you know than what? they thought he'd be too, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, with Monaghan, if he keeps this up, they will trade him for a first-round pick because Kent Hughes wants to add another first-rounder, so you know... Oh. He's going to go for one, and I think, you know, Radek Dvorak's days are numbered. Jonathan Drouin will not be back. So I think Montreal's going to drop, but I don't know if they'll finish last like they did, but I think if they get in the top five, they have a chance, you know, because yeah. all you have to do is have the one lottery ball come down. Yeah. You know what's going to happen? What? Watch. The NHL is going to screw the Canadian teams. Montreal and, and Vancouver are going to go into the lottery, and they're going to lose the lottery. And Arizona's going to get the first pick. Daniel Watch, Clay- because Bettman's <laughs> been just, yeah. for some reason, keeping keeping that team in the NHL for way too long. Yeah, and that's right. He'll play in another junior rink. <laughs> hey, hey, John, we got we, hey, John, we got to go. You have a great day, okay, man? You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, Don, I'm going to let you go because i got other things on the Thank go here. But let, me, but, let me, but let me ask you tonight, what's the key to the Pats winning this game? Well, they got to get off to a much better start. I mean, mm-hmm. 20 shots against in the first period last game and four goals against. Definitely not Yuck. good enough. So if they get off to a much better start, I think they should get the win. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You Dante DeCaria, he's going to join us on the pregame show at 635, his play-by-play at 7. By the way, who are you doing the play-by-play with? Who's your guy? Al Dumba, the great Al Dumba. When we come back, we're going to hear from Jeff Heck. Heck's Heroes and Zeros here on the Sports Cage from the Brand Center on 620. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, coming to you live from the Brandt Center. Welcome back, getting ready for the Pats and the Warriors. But we do have football on our mind as the Riders wrap up their season. 
and uh, we go towards the playoffs. Uh, here with Jeff Heck for Hex Heroes and Zeros. It's become a popular segment as we started it partway through the season and definitely have plans to continue it next year if our guest wants to keep doing it. Jeff Heck joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So, uh, Jeff, before we get to uh, your Heroes and Zeros, the Riders are playing a nothing game in terms of the standings. I was looking at your career in your professional career you never had a season where there was a nothing game, like in terms of being out of the playoffs. That's kind of uh, refreshing, I guess. Yeah, I was fortunate, uh, you know, part fortunate. I think I also played a, a part in helping teams be successful. Um, the only time I missed the playoffs was the 16 riders, but we were competitive, I guess, in the standings all the way to the end because of the crossover potential and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough for players to wrap their head around this, you know, what you call a meaningless game. Um, it's very different for the player who is a guy who is, you know, each team has, you know, five to 12 marquee players, you know, they're on the team. They, they, their jobs are safe. Everybody else, you're always playing for your, your career, your next contract, but further down the roster, I think the 30 to 45 guys that, you know, the bottom of the roster, they're playing for their career every week. So it's not a nothing game, just like uh, the first game of the year is not a nothing game for them. It's very important, but it, it is tough for a fan base in a great cup year um, to have this, this This is the finish of the season. It's very difficult. But, yeah, I was fortunate to play on a lot of good teams. I also think I was uh, able to contribute and help improve those teams, and I, you know, I played a role in the success that – uh, I was also fortunate enough to enjoy. For sure you did. Two-time Grey Cup champ. Okay, what a train wreck of the season it's been. Uh, but this has been a great segment. Uh, heroes and zeros. Give me your first zero of last week. Um, my first zero from last week is the special teams coordinator in Montreal, Archibald. Um, the end of that game was about to be one of the more exciting football plays that the CFL has. We got to go basically all the way back to 2010. I believe it was Montreal and Argos where the game was finished on a kickout situation, we call it, where there's a field goal being kicked. It's likely to not go through the back of the end zone. So the, the field goal team then has the option. They're going to cover the kick. If they miss the kick, we're going to get a, a single-point rouge finish in the end zone while the return team's trying to run it out or kick it out of the end zone some way for them to defend. We were kind of hijacked of that situation, I think because the special teams was unprepared and maybe unaware of the situation. They, they, um, most teams I've been on, successful teams, we practice this kickout situation once per week. It happens once every decade in the CFL as a whole, but every team prepares for it once a week because you never know. And when it does come up, you don't have time to talk about it on the sideline. Um, the returner stepping out of bounds, uh, it was just, as fans, I think we were robbed. Uh, of, a, of what could have been a great situation. The American fans look at it as like a WTF, um, you know, they turn their nose up at the CFL because this mess of a finish. But it was about to be one of the most uniquely CFL plays that we have, and we were robbed of it because of, uh, in my, my opinion, a lack of preparation. From yeah. The Montreal. yeah, and I, I agree with you, man. I like the Rouge. I want to I wanna keep it in our game. But I didn't like the camera angle because I was watching it from my broadcast booth in Regina, and you couldn't immediately tell what happened. It's like, there's the kick, there's the flag. They should have had to re-kick it, and then they just walk off and won. Nobody seemed to know what was going on. Yeah, now that you bring it up, you know, the end zone cam, it was, you know, they dropped the ball on that. 
sometimes you outsmart yourself. The production teams outsmart themselves trying to get the best angle for the return and, and the most exciting angle. I kind of knew, you know, I'm a five foot nine uh, DB who ran a four seven. So my my separation was knowledge of the game and, and information. I knew the rules and I knew it, what had happened right away. But you're right. You know, most fans would have no idea. It's a it's a wildly anticlimactic way to finish a game that was um, not officially, but that was a playoff game. Yeah. Um, the implications were as heavy as a playoff game. Um, the quality of play, the excitement for playoff caliber is a great game. Yeah, and it was it was a, a deflating way to, to finish. Jeff Heck joining us here for Heroes and Zeros. Okay, that was one zero. Give me one hero, Jeff. Well, my one of my heroes is because the entire Stamps offensive line, um, they lead the league in least sacks by a astronomical margin. They are missing which what what has been maybe their best offensive lineman this this year, Derek Dennis. Uh, you know, personally, I, I don't think he was. You know, it, it wasn't his best year. He's not, he's not at the caliber he was when he played for Calgary earlier on. Um, but they're down to their third left tackle, basically. They run at will uh, on the riders. They, this, I don't think, I, you know, they would have won that game if they would have passed the ball six times. It, it, they ran at will. It didn't matter who was carrying the ball. Um, they beat, they beat the, the brakes off of, you know, the front seven of the riders. It's a great thing to see going into cold weather now. We've, we've had a great summer in Western Canada and Alberta, specifically no snow on the ground in Edmonton. But in Calgary, it's snowing. And, uh, you know, if they can get through BC, it's in the dome, so it's less significant. If they get into Winnipeg, it's going to be cold. And if that old line can charge like that, with the way Kadeem Carey is, um, he, he seems unable to get hit square on. Nobody can hit him square. He breaks a ton of tackles because they just glance off the guy. If you can get a you know the, the bad weather back going like that in, in Winnipeg in the West Final, they're going to be very formidable. Your second hero is? Um, my second hero is um, Curly Gitt, receiver with the uh, Toronto Argonauts. We've talked ad nauseum about you know the Canadians in the CFL. They're the most important product. Um, there's a lot of superstar Canadian football players right now that would not be playing in the CFL even if they weren't given an opportunity because of the ratio. I think Curly Gittins is, is among them. He is their best receiver. He is not their best Canadian receiver. He's not, you know, he is the best wide receiver that the Toronto Argonauts have on their roster. Him cracking a thousand yards was significant and it was, Unfortunately, um, overlooked by a lot of the media, uh, how major of an accomplishment this is for a Canadian receiver. Uh, him and Nick Dembski are premier superstars in the CFL. Um, had they maybe come up a, a different avenue, these are guys who have the physical skill to be playing down south. Um, he doesn't get the, the, the respect he maybe deserves because he is Canadian. And, and, you know, when a Canadian's successful, it's usually he did, you know, he's a good player for a Canadian. And in Curly Gittin's instance, this is not true. He is the single best receiver on their team. He's one of the right now, and, and it's, it's awesome to see as a Canadian. And it's, it's always great to see these Canadians who get their opportunity because of the ratio go out there and dominate and just remind everybody 
that the C is the most important letter in the CFL. And you, Jeff Heck, just described Key and Schaefer Baker too. He's the best receiver on the Rough Riders, and he's a guy who came up, who maybe if he came up in a different way, could get an NFL shot too. Yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, you know, compared to the last couple of years, you can maybe say he's had a down year. He's definitely their best receiver. I think what makes him even more impressive there is they have two. Um, I'll use the word loosely, marquee receivers. They're, they're marquee receivers on payday. They are two guys who are, you know, in my opinion, they're going to have a tough time finding full-time work next year at a full-time salary, and that's, that's Duke Williams and, and Jack Evans. They are, they are guys who are falling off the cliff physically. Um, you know, from my perspective, mentally, they're maybe not as competitive as they once were these. Um, and, yeah, Baker is for sure their best receiver. They don't have as prolific of an offense. Um, they don't have good, as good of a quarterback, so he's not pumping those numbers that Curly Gettins is. Um, but they need to find a way to get him the ball. And uh, great receivers have a lifespan. You, you can't rely on this guy for the next decade. Like, he's going to be your best receiver for the next two to four years. Get him the ball, surround him with people that he can be successful with, and you can see, you'll, you'll definitely see him in the runnings for that, uh, you know, the thousand yards and better season. All right. So lastly, your last zero is? Um, my last zero has to be uh, the entire Edmonton Elks organization. <laughs> um, I grew up an Edmonton Eskimo fan. I was I sold 50-50s for the Edmonton Wildcats. You know, I've seen it all in that stadium. I was there when Danny Machocha was part of the team that, finally missed the playoffs in 2006. I believe it was 34, 35 years in a row. They made the playoffs. It was a North American sports record for consecutive years making the playoffs as a professional team. Um, you know, so I was around, you know, the aura of this, this great one, this once great franchise. The fact that they have a bye week, the last regular season week of the season, is even more embarrassing. You know, they don't make the schedule, but I'll tell you what. It's Wednesday morning here in Edmonton. That locker room is empty. Almost all the players are flown home. Almost all the coaches are flown home. Scouts, etc. Commonwealth Stadium is a ghost town right now. And there's still another week of football to be played in the CFL. They are the only team in the CFL that has nothing to do this week. And it's just a complete summary of the direction that the franchise has taken over the last decade and you know they had a, a splash in there 14 15 they and they won the great cup but really they haven't been a winning franchise for for quite a while since the early mid 2000s it's tough to see as a fan i always envisioned myself going to these going to the Eskimo games being a season ticket holder sitting in the stands watching the players telling everybody around me that i could do it better and that i was better than that guy and i you know i could do this and that <laughs> and i haven't barely even been able to bring myself to go to the games it's so tough to see and it's bad for the CFL. This is this is one of the flagship programs. Um, I could go on and on about how disappointing it is. There's a lot of people are saying how how much improvement they've had. You know, statistically, in, in almost every category, they're the worst defense in the entire league. They won four games, which is yes, more than last year. But to celebrate that as anything other than a, a catastrophic failure is uh, is is brutal to me. You look what Bob Dice has done in Ottawa. You look at Danny Matrocha has done in Montreal. It does not take three years to turn a CFL team around. It takes three months if you surround yourself with the right people. And um, it's just very difficult to, to be around their entire organization. Anybody that wears the double E, the green and gold, when they go into work in the morning is 
a loser to me this week. <laughs> okay, but lastly, uh, on that note, Ty Edmonton into Regina. One of the great guys in Canadian football with the C, John Ryan, is retiring after 19 years. We had him on the show yesterday, brought a bunch of his buddies from Sheldon Williams here in Regina in for his last game. His family, only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl, um, and gives back to Regina, not only to the Rams, but the RMF. So uh, one of those good Canadian guys, a special team or a guy after your own heart. It's a great story. I mean, every real CFL fan, especially in Western Canada, especially right in Saskatchewan, when he, when he was with the Seahawks at the pinnacle of his career, this is why there's so many Seahawks fans in Canada. In Alberta, there's a ton. In Saskatchewan, there's a ton. And it's because of the punter, which, you know, just wrap your head around that, the kind of impact that he had. He was a great player. Um, as bad as the Elk season was, it was almost nice that they knew that that was the last game so that he could bring, um, I think some people said there was maybe 30 or 40 people total that came, friends, family, past teammates. That's great. Um, he's been institutionalized in football. We're talking, I think it was 19 years. So he's been doing professional football longer than he's been doing anything else in his life. It's a shock to the system for anybody when it ends, but somebody like that who has been in it that long, uh, had the ups and downs, you know, took the dirt road to the NFL, basically, made his millions, became a, a superstar. Uh, it was, you know, the best part about it is that in all of Edmonton's catastrophic season, he was able to at least know, make the decision, hey, come out, enjoy, friends and family, and, and it makes, you know, it, it, he can reflect back on that moment now for quite some time, and, and uh, you're right, as a Canadian and as a special teamer, it's always great to see the good guys um, get celebrated. This guy's a good guy too, Jeff Heck. Hex Heroes and Zero. Lions Club. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. It's 449 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781. 2090. So the Philadelphia Eagles are trading a fourth-round pick to Chicago for star defensive end Robert Quinn. So the Eagles, I mean, off to a pretty hot start, and they're adding to it with uh, that news today. Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, he took about 90% of first-team reps in practice today, and it looks like he will get the start for the team on Sunday against the New York Jets. Jones was benched on Monday Night Football after a only a few pass attempts. Back over to the Brant Center. Yeah, so thanks, Zinger. The uh, Rider player nominees are out. Uh, the most outstanding player and defensive player of the year, no surprise, 115 tackles, Darnell Sankey. You know, you factor in his community service, too. Definitely a great signing by the Riders. He's three tackles away from tying the all-time lead for tackles in a season set by David Albright. Uh, the Rookie of the Year, Frankie Hickson. Special teams player, Mario Alford. The O-line, Logan Furland. I mean, when you look at it, Logan Furland and um, Logan Bandy were probably the two you could vote for. That's who I voted for. And the outstanding Canadian, no doubt about it, Kean Schaefer-Baker. We'll hear from Kean in a second. But first, I never got to this yesterday. This was a weird little interview uh, with Anthony Lanier. So before we get to it, Anthony Lanier II, I almost put him down. In fact, I did put him down 
as my secondary choice for defensive player of the year. You're like ballsy. Like he didn't play a lot of the games uh, because of what we were told was a concussion. And that uh, ties into this interview in a second. But yeah, when he went out, this defense went downhill big time because they couldn't get the effective pass rush off the edge because they weren't going to push up the middle. And when you don't have a pass rush, your secondary gets exposed. Secondary's best friend is a great pass rush, and a uh, pass rush's great friend is a good secondary. But the one part wasn't complementing another. And when you lose Anthony Lanier the second right after you cut Garrett Marino, uh, you got some issues there in terms of your rotation and the menace that was Marino and. and uh, tag teaming with Anthony Lanier in the middle but here's Anthony Lanier on on missing all this time um been good um really th- everything that's been keeping me out is a lack of knowledge I come from which is called Alabama A&M University it's a SWAT school I am SWAT but what it is is a lack of knowledge and coming from our colleges I didn't know understand how to take care of my body the proper way all over these years so a lot of hanging and banging coming up here to the CFL getting into the cold weather you know doing a couple of hits and playing ball I had to reevaluate and actually seek out help outside of the organization to understand how I needed to take care of my body in my time of playing football I have not been able to get the necessary you know tools I needed to you know get my body where I needed to be so being able to have that time and take off and getting everything back in and running is it's gonna be amazing to see me back on the field man I mean it's hard but you kind of start coaching from inside you sit there you emphasize what our coaches have been telling us the whole time and just make sure you support them as much as possible I'm kind of confused because mm-hmm. we understood you had a concussion that was keeping you out oh it wasn't that uh that's what the who told you that that was on the injury report his head concussion went coach back and coach <laughs> oh well that's between them i don't know what he said but it's okay i wasn't there so the mental health you were dealing with then no more physical you know it took a while because at first we didn't know what really was going on you know everybody was kind of guessing at it so once we found out what it was and it actually came back that's when you saw me come back out of practice uh last week and then this week that's why we we're hitting the ground running can you tell us what was wrong with you then i don't want to disclose that information so it's none of our business. I mean, really, it's not. Just that he's not playing. But that's weird. Okay, so it's a concussion, but it's not a concussion. Who told you that? Just kind of kind of wacky. But hopefully we can get Anthony Lanier back. Uh, there was uh, some discussion that maybe he'll be playing this Saturday in Calgary, although I, I don't know in a, in a game like this. You already know what Anthony Lanier can bring to the table, unless there are bonuses and incentives that they want to allow him a chance to get. The other head scratcher, like I talked about yesterday, why would Cody Fajardo travel with the team and dress? You already basically have parted ways with him. It's been the long goodbye, but Coach did say, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to dress him for sure and try to get Jake, uh, try to get Jake Dolagala on the roster. Uh, Jake the Snake should be starting and playing most of the game and then give Fine a little bit of mop-up time because you already know kind of what you got in Fine. But they're going to start Fine. Cody's going to dress for sure, and they'll try to get Jake on the roster. That's as of yesterday. So we'll see what happens as the week transpires. Like I said, going back to the player nominees. Now, uh, let's be honest. The most outstanding defensive player, Sankey's got a shot at that. MOP, he does not. That'll go to Zach Kalaros. The Rookie of the Year, that'll be Dalton Schoen out of the West and in the CFL, the outstanding receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Special teams out of the West. I didn't look in the East, but out of the West, Mario Alford, I think, has a legitimate shot to be the special teams player. Just the fifth player in this league's illustrious history, as I said off the start of the show. Kick return, 
Punt return, missed field goal return in the same season for a touchdown. Logan Furlan, no disrespect, he won't have a chance at offensive lineman of the year. And KSB is probably the third best Canadian out of the West. I put Cam Judge at two out of Calgary. He's having a great year. And even though he only played half a season, Nathan Rourke is the most outstanding Canadian. And this is why I say we need to vote on these things after the season. All these awards should be voted on after the season. What if Roar comes back and drives his team through the playoffs, knocks off the Bombers, and wins the Grey Cup here at Mosaic Stadium? Coming back from a Liz Frank injury when people said he won't play this year and he comes back? That's why these things should be voted on after the season. Anyway, KSB, just 65 yards shy of 1,000. Uh, truly a blessing. You know, it, it comes from all the help of the teammates and all the staff around all year long. So it's as much as they want to say it's an individual award, it's not an individual sport. So none of that's possible without all the guys beside me. Kian, you set goals for yourself at the beginning of the year, and I understand most outstanding Canadian was on that list. Tell me about realizing that goal. I'm not going to lie, the only goal was getting a great cup and we didn't get that one, so on to next year, so that was, that's the only one I had on the big board. Okay. 65 yards away from 1,000 yards, does that mean anything? Yeah, a little bit, but not as much as going down and getting the last win to finish off the year. What's it mean to, to get this award with the fact that you, when you were drafted, you kind of fell down people's draft boards. You're kind of yeah. viewed as a steal. So what's it mean to get this award and kind of show that you probably should have been taken earlier in that draft? Yeah, that, that's something I carry on my shoulder every single day, just an underdog mentality. And that's what just makes me want to work so hard every single day. It's just always being counted out. So I'm going to come in every single day just to prove myself. What do you think it shows? We always make a deal about Canadian players in the CFL. Yeah. What do you think it shows that a Canadian like yourself could be a team's top receiving target, which which you are this season? Yeah, it just goes to show if you believe, you can achieve. That's what I believe my whole life, and I'm gonna continue to believe that every single day. That's Kean Schaefer Baker, the outstanding Canadian for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and hopefully gets to a thousand yards uh, to wrap up the season here when they play in Calgary. On the other side of five o'clock news, we'll be joined by the outstanding and longtime voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, James Gallo. Uh, we got lots on the go. Farhan Lalji, Aaron Anderson talking about high school football, and uh, Darnell Sankey live on the phone too. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty. I love the smell of Six twenty CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. All right, and welcome to the Sports Cage. Brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. The show that gets out and about the city and southern Saskatchewan is the Sports Cage. We'll be front and center for the Grey Cup in this area in a couple of weeks' time. But we're here for the Regina Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. And we were joined earlier by Dante DiCaria, voice of the Pats. And we're joined by 
the grizzled vet but still young looking guy James Gallo voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors welcome to the concourse and our uh, setup here thanks for coming man no Appreciate hey ballsy we were talking off air it, it's nice to finally see you in person yeah right it's been it's over the phone or text message it's for the last crazy. couple of years it's it, awesome to yeah. see you in person and it's nice for the city of Moose Jaw and nice for the city yeah. of uh, Regina that we get some West teams in here oh it's fantastic just turn that mic it, a second oh, everybody sorry, there, sorry. We there we go yeah, yeah, there we go yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tri-City and coming through Everett yeah actually the last time the Moose Jaw Warriors played a Western Conference team, it was against the Everett Silver Tips February 20th till 2020. That's the last time. And wow. it's it's unbelievable to think about it. Uh, it's been four years since Everett has been in Moose Jaw. And I think it's nice to see some different teams. That's I think about 1,400 fit. days or oh, something. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's so yeah. great. I mean, uh, over the last two years, and I've talked to guys out West uh, last year, and it, it felt like we were two leagues. Right, you were mm-hmm. Western Conference, you were Eastern Conference. Uh, even when we went through the hub, you know, you felt like you were four different leagues. But uh, now you feel like you're one league, yeah. which, which to me, you feel normal once again, which is nice to have. So let me ask you a question: Is it is it um, more fun to to call games and watch junior hockey now than it was when you first started? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, you know, the Civic Center was pretty fun to start in. That was uh, that was interesting. Barn. But the actual game, oh, the game, the game itself. To me, uh, you know, people can disagree with me all they want, but the game is better now. The players are better athletes, uh, and no offense to the guys in the past, yeah. um, but I think uh, these guys are skilled. They're they're amazing players. You think about guys like Connor Bedard and Braden Yeager at 15 years old. They're thinking pro already. Like they're they're ready to go. And I think to me, the game is 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 faster. Um, it's more skilled, and to me, I find that more exciting when there's some teams that'll still play that that slower trap style, and it, to me, it's not entertaining, and, you know, thankfully, I think these are two teams that don't play that way, so uh, you can get some pretty good games out of these two teams, which is which is nice. I prefer the game now than what it was 10, 15 years ago when I started. Is it good for the kids to be drafted this early and thrown into the fire this early? Connor Bedard, I had him on the show there last week. I said, you know, is it kind of, you have to pinch yourself. You're walking by a TV or a radio or a podcast yeah. and people are talking about the Bedard sweepstakes. Should the Canucks tank for Bedard? <laughs> Arizona. You know what I mean? The kid's 17. He just got his drive. He just took his mom's <laughs> round four for the driver's license. To me, it's too, like, I remember back in the day, Dimitri Yakushin, I think was his name, and yeah. the Pats were on a playoff run and he got signed by the Chicago Blackhawks right before the it's, game. 850000 and yeah. he went right in the tank. <laughs> that's, that, that's, you wouldn't be the first guy that that's happened to. I think, to me, I'm all right with the age that these guys get drafted at um, because when these guys get under an NHL umbrella, you can see the development happen. And a, a great case for me is Braden Point. You know, drafted mm-hmm. at the same age. Uh, Tampa Bay was a team that was very involved in his development. Stacy Roost would be in Moose Jaw, you know, probably at least once a month for sure. Barb Underhill was there. They, he was their, or she was their skating coach. Um, they get them under their umbrella and they're able to impact their development, which, which I like. I think to test for me is these NHL teams and even for the players is that sometimes patience is lost when you get through the draft. Right? I mean, there's nothing wrong, you know, if you get drafted in the first round to come back at 18 years old and dominate in the Western Hockey. There's nothing wrong with no. that. I think at times, I think teams are so excited to get their marketable 
young prospect in the lineup, and I think the young player, no fault to him, he's excited. He wants to play in the National Hockey League. Uh, that's always been his dream, but I think sometimes, you know, if players are rushed into that environment, we see it too in our league with 16-year-olds. Um, if players are rushed, unfortunately, that may not be the best environment for them. So I'm all right with the age. To me, it's more about the development uh, process of the NHL team and how they treat their guys after they're drafted is something to watch out for. What's a good night defensively in this league in terms of giving up goals? I asked Dante this earlier. Defensively, you know, I'd say two. Uh, yeah. Two is probably my thing. I think uh, when you look across the Canadian Hockey League, remember Joey Paraconi, yep. uh, former Warriors goaltender? He coaches in the in the queue and has been there for a number of years. And he said in the Western Hockey League, it's so defensively structured, right? Goaltenders, they don't have a good season unless their save percentage is over 900. And the queue, completely different, right? It's more run and gun. It's more free uh, free will, and it's they, they do what they want out there offensively. But to me, two is probably what you know. I think coaches would be happy to have happen, um, but you know, probably two to me is probably the the goal number for a good defensive game for a team. Used to have uh, Matt Hubbard and Garth Murray. Oh and, man, and like you, had, you, you had so you used to drop the gloves and let's go. Is that changed with this? Uh, is that changed? That mentality changed in this rivalry? I think so. You know, I actually the last time that the Warriors had their Hall of Fame, um, Sean Limpright and, and Brian Sotheby were inducted, yeah. and Steve Crampton was there as well. And who's and the I, dude I hated? Sean O'Connor. Who's the guy? I hated? Sean O'Connor. Sean O'Connor. I hated that dude. <laughs> oh, Sean, Sean was a beauty. I, I actually I, I caught up to him the one time we were in Victoria. I, he, great guy to talk to. But um, you know, t- I, I was talking to those three guys, and and in my time, that's the last era for me personally when this rivalry was nasty. Right, like you'd roll in the Civic Center on the tail end of a home yeah. and home, and you're saying, guaranteed at least one line brawl, right, and probably three other fights throughout the course of the game. To me, that hasn't happened. And you know, a, a turning point, a noticeable turning point, was the Brett Howden and Sam Steele era. That was four years of great hockey to watch. Mm-hmm. Skilled, fast entertaining. It, it wasn't trap. I mean, there probably wasn't the fights that people would have liked, um, but the game has changed, and to me, the game has changed. I mean, you're here tonight. I mean, uh, the marquee guys, obviously, is Connor Bedard yep. for the Regina Pats, and you think about the Warriors, it's, you know, Braden Yeager, Jagger Furcus, Denton Matejchuk, Max Warner, signed yep. Edmonton Prospect. Uh, the game has changed to the point where, you know, People in the past may have associated playing hard with bone-crunching hits and and dropping your gloves. Now playing hard is playing physical because if you take yourself out of position for a hit, the Connor Bedards, the Tanner Howes of the world, the Braden Yeagers, they're going to beat you. They're going to burn you, and and you're not going to be the good graces with the coaches. Uh, The game now, to me, has evolved to a point where players playing hard is basically just being a hard guy to play against. You're not going to make it easy for the opposition to get inside, but it does doesn't mean that you know once every three games you got you got to drop the gloves. And to me, I like that. You, you know? just backed up my argument. You just backed yeah, up my because because here's the deal. I listen. I grew up loving Samanko, Dave Brown, uh, uh, Tim, Tim Hunter. He was fun to watch. Uh, 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 even was, we talked about we've yeah, talked about was, Hubbard and all these guys yeah. and uh, Garth Murray and uh, Jared Adams. All that I like yeah. that all. Okay, called the games, did that, but. As sports evolves, we're trying to make football safe, and you yeah. can't make football any safer. We saw Tua do the old funky chicken, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. okay. so different sport, different sport. But I will tell you this. I think it is time for fighting to go in hockey. And people will say, you lose your man card, come on, quit being a wimp. <laughs> Listen, if we're going to evolve as a society in sports, hockey should get rid of fighting or 
or in the NHL, not junior, because I don't agree with it in junior. Yeah. In the NHL, if you're going to keep it, then you better market the hell out of it. I, I, it it's a tough call. Like in junior, um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, we talked off air. Um, you know, I can't really remember the last time that the Warriors had a big fight. Right, and to me, I think that's good. Right, you can play hard. Mm-hmm. You can be a hard team to play against without having to worry about dropping your mitts. Because yeah, there is a safety factor in it. The thing is, you think about you know again, I, I'm I'm not the biggest football guy, but you know, in baseball and hockey, it's two sports that I think take pride in policing themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, and in hockey, you know, they bring the instigator rule in to try and you know. Some of the skilled guys that are out there, some of the smaller guys, not just them, but there's a lot of guys out there. They're chippy. They hack. They whack you. They take their shots at you. And if they're gonna if they're gonna do it, they gotta be prepared to answer. The, someone's gonna get their hands on you, James. Right, James. Here's the rule book. <laughs> I, there are rules I, to call. And this is what drives me nuts. That's why I agree with you. The instigator to me is that if the instigator rule is in place for a reason. So if if Max Warner has a clean hit on Connor Bedard tonight, open ice, clean hit. Right. And if somebody goes after Max Warner, the instigator calls is that the Regina Pats should take the extra two and the Warriors on the power play. Sometimes, I mean, again, our officials do a great job in our league, but sometimes you'll see that, you know, the instigator can, it's hard, right? When it doesn't happen, whether it's for or against the Warriors, it's frustrating because the rule is in there for a reason. So the instigator rule needs to be called. It's going to deter the fighting on a clean play. And to me, that's what it's got to get rid of. I can't speak to this James Gallo in this league as much because I don't watch it as regularly. I I do once football seasons, then I come to the rink. But watching the NHL, this drives me absolutely nuts. They go WWE. So what happens (laughs) is a cross-check in October, it's like tonight, a cross-check on Long Island will be called a cross-check. But that same cross-check on Long Island in May is not a cross-check because we're just letting them play. It's the playoff. That's BS. I I, I agree with you. Uh, I've seen it happen, you know, forward against the Warriors. The way the game is called in October uh, is the way the game should be called in April and May. If a team, some teams are are built differently, right? Get rid of the clutching, get rid of the grabbing. That's why we made, mm-hmm. that's why, because again, the, the speed of the game is so great that if guys are going to clutch and grab you to slow you down, it should be called, right? The interference penalty. It's the consistency of the interference penalty to allow the player to go in on the forecheck. If you're going to take that way, call it. Call it now the way you would call it in the spring. To me, I, I agree with you, Ballsy, on it 100%. Uh, to me, it's frustrating because, you you know, in baseball, the strike zone doesn't get any smaller, doesn't get any bigger. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the score is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in football, they're going to call pass interference in the Super Bowl the same way that they're going to call the pass interference in week one. Yes. So to me, there should be no change. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, with hockey, sometimes it's the way it is. You, you want... You want a lot, and it's tough. I mean, the officials, unfortunately, they're they're paid to be hated. It's the, they're yeah. never going to make anybody yeah. happy. But the game is so fast. That's where it's nice to have four guys on there. Sometimes it'd be nice, you know, if the linesmen have more input, which they're starting, which which yeah. is a great thing to have. But you know, the game's got to be called the same way throughout the course of the season because teams, you know, they play a certain way, and if this is the way they're going to play, if a team is going to be clutching and grabbing, and they're going to hold guys down, yeah. call them. Well, we can't call give them. we can't give the Oilers all these penalties. These are power I, plays. It's, Listen, it's not McDavid, it's, Crosby, uh, Furcus, Bedard's fault that they're better than everybody I else. I would agree 100% <laughs> with it. it. It's not. And to me, 
Um, you know, hockey's got to change that. I mean, again, you won't really notice it tonight, no. but it's when you get into March, probably more so April and May when things go down. Yes, you want the players to, to determine the outcome of the hockey game. The last thing you want is an official to have a big impact. They're humans, just like the rest of us. They make mistakes, but in the same sense, too, uh, they got to call it. They got to call it. It's just the way that it is. Gotta Wish I had it. your hair and your voice. You're looking good, buddy. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Okay? Anytime, Ballsy. James Gallo, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. When we come back, we'll be joined by the most outstanding defensive player and most outstanding player on the Rough Riders, Darnell Sankey, the tackling machine. It's the sports cage from the Brand Center for Spreads.ca on 620 CK. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Sorry, welcome back to the Sports Cage here for Spreads.ca. Michael Ball here at the Bryant Center. Back at the studio, it's Sean Kleisinger uh, getting set for the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors. But let us head uh, on the uh, Western Pizza hotline where when you order Western Pizza, ask for the Rough Rider sweet deal, and you could be with a friend watching a Rough Rider game from a luxury suite next season where hopefully you're watching Darnell Sankey once again, number 53 of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, Darnell, uh, you had almost 100 tackles last year, and I watched you last year and uh, obviously appreciated your play, but I don't think you really appreciate somebody until you get to watch them every game. Man, you are like a dog on a bone out there all over the field. Just tell me where that relentless attitude came from back in the day. Yeah, what's going on? Thank you for having me, first and foremost. Um, you know, I feel like I've always just been a, you know, um, a ball hawk, you know, sideline to sideline tackler. Um, you know, I just wanted to always be the first one to the ball. You know, I always wanted to work out at work everybody. So I think that mentality I've had since a child, I've always kind of felt like an underdog. I've always felt overlooked. And I think I just, you know, even to the position I am now, I've carried that same mentality. Well, how did you get into the game of football, Darnell Sankey? Yeah, so uh, I grew up a basketball player. Um, My dad played basketball. My sister played basketball. My older brother played basketball. Um, I played basketball until my junior year of high school. And my linebacker coach for the school um, asked me to come try out for the football team. Actually, my sophomore year. And then I told him no. I was hmm. like, no, nah, I'm a basketball player. I asked him again. He asked me again my junior year. And I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Okay. And then the rest is history. Well, you, uh, you've you had quite the journey. You've been released a few times, and, uh, you know, you got to the CFL, and now you're in Saskatchewan. When a day like this happens, and you get named the team's not only outstanding defensive player, but most outstanding player nominee, who do you think about, what do you think about when you hear that? Um, I think about all the people who used to laugh at me when I was in high school when I told them my dream, so... That's the first thing I think about. And then I think about, you know, obviously how blessed I am and fortunate to be in the position I am. Um, I think about all the people who woke up with me every single day at 4.30 when we were talking about this a year ago, talking about how I wanted to be, you know, the best defensive player in the CFL. I wanted to be the best linebacker I could be, you know, and I think about my family for supporting me throughout my journey. 
This is Darnell Sankey, your most outstanding player nominee for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and most outstanding defensive player. And uh, I picked you in both categories, so I feel like I'm a smart guy. I put that down uh, with a bullet. But I will say this, and, and it's not because of your play. I, I seriously, the, the, my second guy on the ballot, and Larry Dean's had a great year and everything like that, I seriously almost put down Anthony Lanier the second because when he went down and the move to release Marino, you, your defense kind of faltered a little bit. Did, did you feel that as well? Um, yeah, I think everybody felt it. You know, we released Marino. He was a, you know, he was a great player. Um, you know, and, you know, unfortunately he got injured as well. Um, you know, and Larry Dean is a, you know, amazing linebacker and an amazing friend. You know, we've got close this year and he's taught me a lot. And, um, you know, we've had some key guys go down and, you know, some things happen and, you know, but when it comes down to it, we're all professional football players and everyone's expected to perform. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we got hit hard with adversity this year and um, everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, we kind of got in the hole that unfortunately we weren't able to climb ourselves out of. So uh, that's one thing about your linebacking core, man. The best ability you can have is availability. You were there the whole year. Moncrief was there the whole year, except for when he got kicked out. And uh, Larry Dean was there the whole year. He was really, I mean, you're a great story. 115 tackles, three away from the all-time record in a season for a Saskatchewan Rough Rider linebacker, 118 held by Dave Albright. But you look at that guy, that gray beard, Larry Dean. He might not even make this football team if Micah Tights doesn't have that uh, severe your groin injury and can't get back in the lineup and that guy comes from an Achilles injury which can be hard to overcome when you're a young guy like Darnell Sankey but for him to come back from it just what an inspiration you talked about him teaching you things what did he really teach you this year um you know first and foremost he's a great pro you know I feel like I've always um valued myself and and held a lot of pride in being a great pro first and foremost um you know doing all the little things right you know, I watched him come every single day in the morning and watch film before everybody, you know, and then I started coming in to join him, you know, staying after, getting treatment, doing all the little stuff that a lot of people overlook, even myself. You know, I've been a professional football now for, you know, quite some time, and, you know, it's not often that you see somebody doing all the little things right. You know, of course, he's a great player on the field. You know, that's what, but, you know, in addition to that, those are things that I've learned through him as well. You know, just like the way he sees the game, the way we talk about it, one another, me and him feeding off each other throughout the game and in practice. Um, you know, just a lot of great traits uh, to being a pro, I would say. Darnell, I was sitting upstairs with Glenn Suter from TSN. He joins us on our pregame show. And before we went to air, we both remarked that if you put a zero behind each guy's paycheck on that field, all of a sudden, in fans' eyes and in some media people's eyes, the, uh, the legitimacy of the players and of the league shoots upward. Because if you're, you know, NFL, I get it. Zero, you know, one player, one through seven on each roster is elite. And, and you'd know that better than me. But from about seven to the bottom of the roster, I tell everybody, it's a pretty even league. So when you say a few minutes ago that it was always your dream to do this and play professional football, is the dream any less because you achieved it north of the border in a league that you didn't even know about when you were growing up? No, nah, you know, I mean, 
you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I said, you know, delays are not denials. I've always said that, you know, delays are not denials, D-A-N-D. And, and just because something's delayed in life doesn't mean it's denied, you know. And I've always had a dream of playing professional football. I was blessed to play in the NFL. Um, I'm blessed to play in the CFL, and we'll see what happens next year. You know, I'm just I'm excited for my journey. Um, I'm excited for what's next, and, you know, I don't, I don't take uh, any less – you know, of a you know a standpoint on that. You know, I'm I'm just, I'm playing pro ball. You know, like you, I was nominated for two prestigious awards, and um, you know, I'm just incredibly humbled. So, you know. So, Darnell, I, I don't I don't have your obviously your contract details in front of me, but are you you're a free agent after this year? Are you not? Isn't that the case? I think so. Yes, sir. Okay, so what, so so what does that look like for you? Are you just going to take some time to decompress? And, and I guess the second part of the question is, how much did you enjoy your time at Saskatchewan? I gather you did. You know, the result wasn't what you wanted, but I will tell you, you 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 embraced the community. You you did you, you know you helped the the homeless and the hungry. Uh, you know, what did you think of playing here in Saskatchewan? Oh, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a free agent after the season's over. I mean, it's not a secret, um, you know, in terms of what I do next season is all up to God and God's plan, man. I'm just, I'm just a servant. I'm just here. You know, I wanted to do make an impact in the community wherever I go. Um, you know, I've always had to think for helping the homeless and helping the needy. And I just want to make my impact on everywhere I go, you know, and, um, you know, whether I'm here next year or wherever. I mean, I really don't know yet. I don't know what the, the cards are in store. I'm sure we'll have some conversations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but all that's, you know, at a later point. You know, as of right now, I'm just staying focused on this game. You know, we still got one more game. You know, I'm, I'm able to play a little bit in it. Um, you know, I'm just focusing on that. And then after the season's over, I'll focus on what the next plan is. You know, like I said, my agents are at work. I'm sure that, you know, um, uh, we'll be in talks, you know, with Saskatchewan and with, you know, wherever, you know, but as of mm-hmm. right now, I'm just focused on the now. And then uh, so, after the season, I'll focus on that when it comes. And the now is one more game, like you said. It, it's not meaningless in terms of when you're playing professional football, getting a paycheck, it can't be meaningless. It is meaningless in the standings. So what does it look like for you? You're going to get some playing time, and how important is it for you to get the all-time tackles record for the Rough Riders in a season at 118? You get four tackles, you got it. Yeah, you know, it's obviously a I, I didn't even I wasn't even aware of that until this week. I didn't even I had no idea until one of the um personnel had brought it up to me and then it kinda blew up, you know, but uh Yeah. You know, I mean it, it's a great it's a great thing, you know, but I've always felt like if I do my job, if I'm doing if I do what they signed me here to do, then I'll I'll be the best at it. So yeah. I mean I've always had that mentality. So it's you know, I mean, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to play, and, you know, I'm going to play as long as I can play. I mean, I don't really know how long they'll, you know, leave me in the game for. That's not up for me to decide, but I'm going to go out there and handle business like I usually do. Was the pressure too much for this team this year in terms of hosting a Grey Cup? Because it's not easy the best of times knowing you're hosting the Grey Cup and here in Saskatchewan where it is a fishbowl. Um, well, it definitely is a fishbowl here. Uh, you know, um, it, it's uh, definitely a small, you know, small city, small football city, small football providence, I guess. You know, that feels like everybody in Saskatchewan loves the Riders, loves them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I do love that part of this team. 
Um, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like personally the pressure got to us. I think that truthfully we just kind of couldn't bounce back from you know some of the things that happened this year. You know we had a lot of adversity. Um, you know, and unfortunately we were never able to really come out of that. I feel like. Well, Darnell, it's been a pleasure watching you play, man, and uh, you're very deserving of the two honors that were bestowed on you today, most outstanding player and most outstanding defensive player for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I look forward to watching your last game and hope for more in Rider colors, depending on how things shake down. Enjoy the rest of your night, okay, Darnell? Hey, thank you so much. I look forward to the future, too. Thanks for having me. All right, Darnell Sankey, number 53 of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. When we come back, we'll get to some more award nominees and also our Where Are They Now feature featuring Adam Rita, former coach of the Toronto Argonauts and BC Lions. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Some game day pat chat. The Regina Pats host the Moose Jaw Warriors tonight at 7 o'clock inside the Brand Center, making up for Sunday's postponed contest. As with all Wednesday home games this season, fans will be able to purchase $2 hot dogs tonight. Wednesday's game will also feature a basket raffle, which will include some player-signed merchandise, a Wiener Wednesday t-shirt, two ticket vouchers, plus other Pat's store merchandise. Tickets for this basket raffle will be the same as a jersey raffle, one for five, three for ten, or ten for twenty. So a lot going on off the ice under the orange top tonight on the ice. Well, the Pats are coming off a five to two loss to these Warriors on Thursday in Moose Jaw. Regina got goals from Stanislav Svozil and Connor Bedard, while Drew Sim made 37 saves in the loss. Regina will look to rebound tonight. Pats and Warriors pregame show right after the sports cage at 6.35. Puck drop at 7 on 6.20 CKRM. I'm Sean Kleisinger with today's... To an agronomist. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 6.20 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. For spreads.ca. Our text coming to you via the text line at 936-6262. And it's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Zinger, if you got any text, send them my way and I will uh, relay those as Sean Kleisinger is uh, playing hurt today but uh, doing a great job behind the scenes. Our nominees for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Players uh, Player Awards. We heard from Darnell Sankey. Um, most outstanding player, most outstanding defensive player. Sankey can win the D player, I think, but he won't win the outstanding player. That'll go to Kalaros out of the West. Rookie Frankie Hickson, who we're going to hear from for a sec, uh, in a second, will be the Riders nominee, but it'll go to Schoen from Winnipeg. Specials, I think Mario Alfred has a chance to win the special teams award across Canada. Uh, for sure, the West nominee. He'll go up against a couple of kickers, one out of Edmonton. In, um, or check that out of BC in Sean White, the former Edmonton kicker, and Rene Paradis. Logan Ferland, the outstanding lineman, and the best Canadian is Kean Schaefer Baker. In the SJHL tonight, Humboldt at Yorkton, Estevan at Kindersley, Weyburn visits Melford, we're, and, uh, Melville at LaRange. We are, um, here at the Brandt Center because the Pats are getting ready to take on the Moose Jaw Warriors, a game that was supposed to go down Sunday, but it got moved to today. Pats lost the last game against the Warriors, the last game both these teams played. It was 5-2 in Moose Jaw. The Warriors raced out to a 4 nothing first period lead and then held on. Um, a couple of other things to uh, tell you about. Adidas has cut ties with Kanye West, which is sad news for fans of 
ridiculously priced ugly shoes. Uh, Seattle briefly had the worst air quality of any major city in the world today. It's so bad, former Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson keeps choking even after he uh, moved away. <laughs> and uh, the 6-0 and Eagles get Robert Quinn in a trade, a defensive lineman in a trade with the Bears for a fourth-round pick. All right, back to um, the Most Outstanding Player Awards, and let's hear from the rookie Frankie Hickson, who uh, did a great job replacing J-Mo, Jamal Morrow, but then he went down with a hand injury of his own. It feels great. Um, I feel like I uh, actively was a part of this team. I, I uh, gave it everything I had week after week, and um, ultimately I feel like uh, I had a, a great team around me, a great team of support for sure. Does it make it a little extra special just with a small sample size how much you were able to do in a limited amount of time? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think uh, more time for sure would have, uh, you know, I, I felt like every game I got better out there. And um, I, I'm sure it would have gotten, you know, even better. And um, I like to play in the cold and, and I even get better playing in the cold. So um, definitely missed out this year, but definitely something to uh, aspire to next year. We know you were joking around with Mario earlier, but do you feel you should have been nominated for two awards? Do you feel you were wrong? No, not at all. Mar what? Mario's supposed to win that outright. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they weren't watching. They weren't watching this entire year. And, um, you know, that's a, it's one of those things, you know, missing those guys. You know, this, this team will never be the same again. You know, that's, that's pro football. And, um, at this point, it's just about um, enjoying the time with the guys in there and and uh, just really staying present. What does this award mean to you with your journey and the fact that you had to wait so long to get a chance to play pro football? Um, I, I think it's just, you know, God telling me I'm on the right path, you know, and, um, you know, he's blessed me with every opportunity and every chance that I've ever gotten. And so... Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's answered prayers and, you know, just thankful. Just very thankful. How is the risk? No see cast or just... Just fine. Just fine, though. You could probably... Like, you could probably I probably would have been good this week. How fresh are you or not? How, how do you think about that? When that happened, the way things were rolling for you? It's... It's the game of football. It's what we all sign up for um, week in and week out. And so, um, when you know it's a part of the game, you know, I... I like what I've done in the past six weeks, you know, other than my wrist and um, gotten faster. I feel quicker, better, better shape. Um, and, and so uh, just ready to go, ready to roll. I think you got to find another roommate <laughs> considering what happened to Chibro. Oh, yeah, well, you know, J-Mo's been great. Um, even through this, you know, him on the back end of his injury and me, you know, just beginning, you know, once again, there to support me every step of the way and, you know, even give me pro tips and what to get done and what to do in the weight room and stuff to get back faster. What does the future hold for you? Are you, are you signed for next year? Just yeah, yeah. I uh, signed a one-on-one, -on -one, a, a two-year, and so I'll be back in Saskatchewan for sure. And um, I'm, I, I want to bring this the city a championship. So that's the goal. No, you're good. Uh, after really exploding onto the scene this year, how high are your expectations for what you can do given a full season staying healthy next year? Uh, I don't really try to think about the big picture. Um, and, and ultimately, I don't have a game to play this week, so I can't even think about 
an opponent to, to go against. Now it's off season. Now it's time to fight myself every day. Fight the the want to be in the bed versus get up and go work out. The the mediocre versus to be great. And um, so so my, that's my opponent right now, myself. And so. Um, if I keep beating myself every every single day, you know, get 10% better a week, 1% better, 2% better a day. So I'll tell him what I'll be next year. Let's get to Dale and Melford. Thanks to uh, Frankie Hicks and they're the Rookie of the Year nominee for the Rough Riders. Dale and Melford on the text line 936-6262, powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. OMG, so Lanier was not out with the concussion? What the hell is going on with this organization? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a weird interview. If you missed it, you can catch it on... It was done yesterday, but we never got to it. You can catch it on our podcast when it's posted later by Sean Kleisinger. Anywhere you get podcasts. And Metal Shingle Guy. Hope to see Big Jake Dolagala. Mason Start, Jake in the second. They need to audition Bo Levi's. Back up with an exclamation mark. When we come back, we're going to take a trip down memory lane. It is Wednesday. We'll talk with Adam Rita, the former uh, coach of the Toronto Argonauts and GM at BC Lion. He's still involved in football. We'll hear his story or some of it coming up next on the sportscageforspreads.ca on 620C. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Time now for our Where Are They Now feature. And uh, this week, our guest is... Adam Rita, former coach in this league. Adam, I always loved your positivity as a fan, so I'm really looking forward to this interview. First question out of the gate. Were you really paddling a canoe in that Elvis movie? Uh, yes. And everybody's dead now, but other than that, we're all good. <laughs> you're the, you're the live guy. How did that come to be? How did you end up on the movie set, uh, and was canoeing your first love? Yes. Um, yeah, canoeing kept me in shape and uh, all that good stuff and made you tougher because of the mental part of the game. But uh, the reason why we were in all those movies like Donovan's Reef and Blue Hawaii and all, we had a canoe club and our canoes were original uh, Hawaiian canoes. They were made out of core. Uh, one canoe was about 400 years old. The other one 600 years old. And... Um, so they hired, uh, we had about eight canoes, and uh, they hired the canoe club to uh, uh, use the canoes and the paddlers and, and for background, you know, people and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if I was in the, uh, in the final cut, but, uh, you know, they take so many shots. But, uh, yeah, Little Hawaii was fantastic. Uh, Elvis Presley was a good man, and... Uh, um, you got a chance to meet him, obviously, then. You had a chance to meet the, the king. Yeah, I met him in his prime, really. He was always working out. You know, he was a martial arts guy. And so he worked out at one of my friend's studios. So, you know, he, he was just your everyday guy. <laughs> you know, he just happens to have a little wiggle in his hips to, and he could sing. So, Yeah, and he, he did that well. Hey, you did football well, so let's talk about that. How did Adam Rita... Get into football. Like, how did that become your sport growing up in Hawaii, being around the water and the canoes? How did how did you get into football, Adam? Well, um, 
Actually, it was uh, in the YMCA program called Junior High Y. We played flag. And being a short, fat guy, um, it was pretty tough to be the skill guy on the team. And I was always too big to play in the little um, Pop Warner League. I was always too heavy. So when I, after the flag football uh, thing was done, I went and did the... Um, in our high school, you had to make the varsity as a ninth grader, and uh, me and another guy made the team. And uh, I think my junior year, I was elected team captain, and, you know, it was then my coaches helped me out to get to Boise Junior College, and the rest is pretty much history. Um, you know, we come from a little island in the middle of nowhere. Captain Cook was drunk one night and ran into it, I guess. That's the only way you could probably find it. And... Uh, yeah, so it was. A, it's a good story. It's uh, you know, it's uh, out of a obscurity, right? I mean, yeah, no kidding. And 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 you raised to great heights, especially in the Canadian Football League. Now, the one thing I know about Adam Reed is he's got a passion for this game. What do you like most about football? I like working with the young men. Uh, right now, I'm coaching at a small private school out here in Port Hope, where I live, and in a and in a off season, I go to Europe. Uh, I'm not going this year, but I've gone to Europe and coached the uh, Prague Panthers and the Kalanda Broncos in Switzerland. Um, I'm using my skills as a coach to travel. You know, when you live on an island, you like to see the world. Right. And uh, right now, I'm kind of realizing my dream. Uh, I mean, Canada is a fantastic country. I became a citizen in '92, and and uh, the CFL, the Canadian Football League, has been good to me, and I hope I've given back some. But I like working with young men, and right now um, I'm working at Trinity College School in Port Hope. Adam Rita joining us here. Where are they now? And we're thanking him for uh, joining us here on the uh, broadcast. 1991, you make your debut as the Argos head coach. You guys win the Grey Cup. That was the team with Rocket Ishmael uh, when the Argos knock off the um, the Calgary Stampeders. What do you... What do you remember about that 91 season? Of course, you had McNall and Gretzky and Candy off the field. Was it a, was it a circus-like atmosphere, Adam? Uh, it would have been if you let it be. It was just fun to be around. I mean, John Candy was an amazing man. Uh, he went to every trip with us, and, and the guys loved him. He loved the guys. I mean, he liked hanging around with the players, and, and he was a... Fantastic guy, fun, fun, fun guy, and and uh, he would fly in his private jet. And then after, I remember playing in Regina, and we pulled that game out by the hair of a chinny chin chin. And he says, "Okay, coach, uh, you're flying back with me." And I said, no, "I can't fly back with you. I'm the head coach of this team. You know, I got to travel with the team." So I gave him uh, my captains. I think it was Dan Ferrone, Paul Mazzotti, Donnie Moan, and there was another guy. And they flew back with him. And the, the next day when we had our meeting, they said, Coach, don't I ever do that again? I said, why? He said, it was a party for four and a half hours, you know, five hours. That is awesome. Um, hey, speaking of toughness, you've seen a lot of tough guys in your time coaching in this league. But how about that 91 Grey Cup with Matt Dunnigan and the shoulder problems, you know, broken collarbone or whatever, what he went through to win that game and play the way he did? Well, it was uh, kind of a nightmare for me because I didn't want Matty to play. Well, he wasn't going to play. Um, he, he did, you know, he and I did the game planning and 
he he had the meetings with the quarterbacks and the receivers and all that kind of good stuff. So I got him really involved like a coach. And then the day before the game, Mike McCarthy comes to me and he goes, uh, we just worked out Maddie and he's going to be your starting quarterback. So I brought him all in and I said, okay, Maddie. I said, I understand that you want to play. I have no problems with that. I have a problem if this ends your career. So I want a clearance from your doctor. I want a clearance from your wife. And I want a clearance from your mom and dad. And they all happened to be there, so there was no problem there. But it was the most uh, unbelievable thing uh, ever happened to me as a coach. You know, I'd be standing there doing warm-up, and you could hear his collarbone or whatever that was, like a ratchet. Oh. The ball. Finally, I, I told Ricky Foggy, I said, Ricky, you better be ready. And he was. You know, Ricky was a fantastic guy. And he he goes, Coach, this is grossing everybody out. <laughs> you know, that's Saudi. Yeah. You know, but, you know, uh, we had a great one-two combination. And Matt Dunnigan and Ricky Foggy, and, and they really flourished together. But Matty is a tough dude. And uh, he was not to be denied. Yeah. And I wasn't going to deny him that chance. Have you been Have you been around anybody faster than the Rocket Ishmael? No, never. I mean, you know, by rights on that last play or the kickoff return against Calgary, that yeah, thought they were kicking the ball to DK Smith, so we did a real fast rotation on the kickoff, and um, and I told Rocket, I said, you you go up to the side that they they're going to kick to you. You're going to rotate over, put DK up, and swing pinball backs in case they want to kick it across the field. Well, Rocket caught the ball, and I said, you just hit up two or three steps, and you hit for the far hash. And we set up a little wall out there, but really, we didn't need to block anybody. All they did was took away the angle with the speed. Yeah. And then when somebody threw a beer can at the end there, whatever it was, and he yeah. had a little cut. And I said to him in film study, I said, how did you see that? He said, I just saw a flash, and I decided it wasn't going to hit me. And, you know, he, he, he was an amazing athlete, amazing guy to coach, but we had an amazing team. Last question for you, Adam. Do you like today's CFL? Do you like how, the, you know, the, the changes? What does Adam Rita think about today's Canadian Football League? I, I think uh, the one thing I know since I've been in the Canadian Football League, and that's been a long time, uh, since 1977, somewhere, some form, I was in the CFL. And they've always tried to improve in every way, officiating. And we're coaches that are the worst critics of officiating. And yet, officials don't ever criticize coaches. <laughs> yeah, <know>? That's right. <laughs> but, you know, I feel for those guys. Uh, but I understand that the skill level at which our guys play now is unbelievable. The speed of the game, the speed and size of athletes, um, you know, has really changed the game. And with technology today, you can help the officials. I mean, they have to make a decision in split seconds. And as a guy's going by him at 100 miles an hour and he's going 50, a pedestrian rate, you know, things happen. And so I, I like what the direction that uh, the league is going. You know, you can't stop progress, and I, I, I love it uh, what they're doing. And uh, of course, I'm pretty prejudiced. I love the CFL. I think it's it's a great game, and and uh, and uh, our Canadian content makes it even better. Adam, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. We look forward to following you from from here down the road. Thank you so much. 
And Where Are They Now is brought to you by Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub. They bring the showroom to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com today, and I can speak personally. They did work for me, and Shannon and the gang do excellent work. We'll have more of the sports cage coming up here on 620 CK. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, and welcome back to Regina Live from the Brand Center. Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors, a game that was postponed from Sunday to uh, today because of the weather, and I, I was happy to. Never got into this, into this with James Gallo or Dante DeCaria, voice of the Warriors and Pats, respectively, but with everything that went on with with the unfortunate thing with Humboldt, which had nothing to do with road conditions, but of course, the Swift Current Broncos uh, back in the day in 1986. It's great to take it more seriously with the weather, so I was happy they pushed that back to uh, tonight where the, the weather is better for everybody that wants to travel from outside the city to watch this game, and uh, it's going to be a great hockey game between two pretty good teams. Pat's 6-5-0-1. The Warriors come in 6-4. and Alright, so it's... Uh, Time to get to our friend Farhan Lalji on the Western Pizza Hotlines. This show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. The award nominees for all the teams are out. Riders, MOP, and Defensive Player of the Year, Darnell Sankey. Rookie of the Year, Frankie Hickson. Special Teams, Mario Alford. Offensive Lineman, Logan Furland. Canadian, KSB. I just looked on your Twitter feed, Farhan, at Farhan Lalji TSN. I'm on board with you for Kalaros' MOP. I'm on board with you as Stanley Bryant at O-line. No doubt Dalton Schoen's Rookie of the Year. The Canadian... It's not even a contest. The Canadian, the Canadian, you said you're struggling with it. There's no struggling. Nathan Rourke's the most outstanding Canadian. I don't care if he played nine games. Uh, it, he is the most outstanding Canadian, and it's not even close. He he laps everybody. So I take exception with that. Like I, I'm different there. I know you're 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 probably going to end up voting for Nathan Rourke. Uh, Sean Lemons had a great season, but he is not. I'll tell you what, the Riders' defense is nothing without Darnell Sankey. Darnell Sankey is the most outstanding defensive player out of the West, in my opinion. And Mario Alford is the special teams player in the West. Uh, He is just the fifth player in CFL history to return a punt, a field goal, and a missed field goal for a touchdown. And if the Rough Riders do not get him in here, their special teams are garbage in terms of the return game. So I, uh, so three, three of them I'm kind of, or at least two I'm against you there. Well, that's good. That's what these things are all about, right? As, and as far yeah. as Nathan, look, it, the, the, that emotional argument where it's not even close, like it almost feels like that should also be the MOP argument, right? Because it's the same thing, right? Like whether we're voting on Canadians, the, the outstanding miss, for lack of a better description, on Nathan Rourke in, in the first half of the season, I mean, he was on a historical pace, not for Canadians, for players, period. So, 
you know, it almost feels like we're not willing to go all the way in on the MOP discussion, but let's go in on the Canadian side and just kind of give him that. I would. Just recognize. Farhan, I would. Yeah, and, I would. I would. If I had a ballot, I would put him down as the outstanding uh, outstanding player in the league. If you took, yeah. if you t- I think, I think the win- we've had this discussion before, talked about should awards be voted after the season. If you take Zach Kalaros off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Nathan Rourke off the BC Lions, the BC Lions would go farther, or, or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would go farther than the BC Lions. Nathan Rourke makes the O-line look better. He, I, I really would even put him in there as the MOP. Yeah, look, I could be convinced. Like I'm, I'm going to pick Zach, like I said, and I think I'll probably lean to Nathan on the Canadian side, but Look, BC went four and four without him. They went four and two with Vernon Adams. Um, they didn't look as pretty, right? But they still managed to tread water and met, and hold off Calgary for a home game. Uh, obviously, they're better with Nathan. There's no doubt about it. But um, you know, it, it's it's a tough one because it, it it sometimes feels like we're disrespecting the whole season, right? And the the challenge of just getting through one through eighteen and and all that goes with that. It, it feels like we're disrespecting and dismissing everybody else. But look. You, you don't have to convince me how good those nine games were, right? Like, I mean, he was chasing Doug Flutie's all-time marks. What he was doing was ridiculous, and it's impossible to forget that. And the fact that he's making it back in time for the final game of the regular season, I think also adds to the story because he had some choices on how he wanted to deal with his recovery. And many people think he should have just kind of kept an eye on the NFL and all this stuff. And he was just like, no, I'm invested in this group of guys. I love this group of guys, and I want to see this through. If I can give a little bit to it, I want to give to it, right? And and I talked to him over the last couple of days about it, and, you know, it's a great story, and uh, he looks real good in practice, right? I mean, obviously he's not going to be able to run around and do everything that he uh, did previously, but um, in terms of how he's seeing the game and his ability to process and get it out quick and his accuracy, boy, it looks pretty similar to me. So and, and of course I'll, I'll add this, uh, uh, Farhan. You were on board with Nathan Rourke before, so it's not a that's not a shot at you that hey come on get with it. You've been on board. You actually are one of the few guys that said I think he can come back. So kudos to you there. But here's the question, Nathan Rourke. What what does he get a quarter? Do you think to bang off the ring rust? Yeah, I think that's it. I think he's going to play a quarter. That's the plan, right? Like you know three ish series uh, to get him through and knock the rust off. I would imagine they'll be a lot of plays where he's just being asked to get the ball out quick. Um, You know, there's not really a sense in doing a ton of uh, read option, right? Because he's not going to pull it and keep it, right? But you could see some RPOs where he either gives it or throws quick and and that part of the game. And I could imagine Winnipeg probably knows what isn't coming and adjust their defensive game plan for that quarter accordingly. I don't think they're going to try to, like, take him out or anything like that. But I think they're going to try to take some of those types of plays away, knowing that that's what he's going to be leaning on early in the game. But look, I think more than anything, the Lions, they don't care if they score or win. It's just get him comfortable at game speed and and not have to go through that for the first time in a playoff game. I will say this about Sean Lemon. I never saw this resurgence coming. He had a heck of a year. What was it? Uh, led the league in forced fumbles and had 13 quarterback sacks. And going into the last game against the Riders, he had eight sacks in his last nine games. So he definitely is worthy of uh, of a selection in his own team and, and by you on Twitter, like I uh, had referenced there. Well, and, and Sankey, like whenever a player on – you know, whenever you get multiple nominees, as Sankey has, right, as the MOP and the defensive player, that, that ultimately 
strengthens, strengthens his candidacy on the defensive side that he just meant that much of the team, period, right? So that's certainly something that's going to be noticed by people, and his tackle numbers are great. But, you know, the league tends to glorify sacks and interceptions more than they do tackles, rightly or wrongly. And, right. uh, and look, I, I'm, a, I'm a total fan of Sankey. I think, I think Saskatchewan's the best linebacking core in the league, and I think he's an exceptional player. Uh, so if, if he winds up getting it, that's not wrong. But I think overall, Saskatchewan missing the playoffs is going to work against Sankey, right? Whether it should or shouldn't, people will just say, well, how good was that defense? They couldn't get to, you know, this point in the season, um, especially how they started. We know there's, you and I both know there's a lot of different reasons for that. Darnell Sankey not being among them. No, and that's a very good point, and, and they look at all that. Uh, of all the things Jeremy O'Day you know, didn't do per se. Getting Elford in here though was a was a stroke of genius in the sense that you didn't give up much and and you picked him up off the quote unquote scrap heap and he definitely had a great a season. Yeah, Alfred was a, was a big part of that team, especially you know as their offense struggled. You know, you talk about complementary football so often. How much easier is it? for Calgary's quarterbacks because their field position is generally really good based on how good their return units are. And same thing with Winnipeg, right? Janarian Grant's really good, and you're always going to get good field position. You know, BC, quarterbacks have to work harder because their field position, by and large, up until that last game uh, where, uh, where Terry had a breakout, like, they have been horrendous, like, just awful. And every quarterback's got to work that much harder, right? So certainly what uh, Saskatchewan has been able to do with Alford in the return game has helped them a lot. The quarterback's and the offense overall, thanks to that offensive line, haven't really been able to take advantage, but certainly Alford's given them every opportunity on the field position side. Hey, you've been around for 25-plus years covering various sports, but let's talk football for a second. Let's talk Canadian Football League. Uh, listen, have you seen a weirder departure than what's gone on here with Cody Fajardo? These last two weeks, it feels like the longest goodbye in professional sports. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's totally awkward. And, you know, just uh, the way they positioned it from, hey, it's a vet day to, okay, now he's not the starter, but it's not performance, but we think the other guy can give us a spark, uh, you know, the most important time of the year. And so it's it certainly, it's hard not to view that as performance and hard to view, it's hard not to view that as a quarterback issue, right? That they wanted someone who they believed could get the ball out quicker and things of that nature. So it, it's tough. And I know that Fajardo has been a really polarizing figure in Saskatchewan. And some of that has been related to his play, right? Like he pointed out himself back-to-back Western final appearances. That's a good thing, but certainly, um, you know, when, when he couldn't lean on his ability to run and the offensive line was just so broken, uh, he couldn't function, right? Because he needed more time to, to process and get the ball out. Maybe than some other guys can do and make the offensive line look a little bit better than it is. And I think Cody's emotions wearing on his sleeve, that's just who he is, and that's going to resonate with some people, and other people are going to view it as a weakness, right? So I think all of those things in a place where opinion is really, really high and constant and the microscope is on him, I think it's been tough, right? I, I don't think it's been the right fit because he doesn't portray that prairie toughness, right? He he's, you know portrays a level of sensitivity, and, and that doesn't necessarily work, right, when, when it's such a competitive market. And... Um, I, I think there's a place for him in this league. Is there a place for him as a starter? I don't know. Is there a place for him as a franchise bona fide guy going into a season? I don't think you're going to see that next year. But uh, just, yeah, the way the departures happen and how long it's taken, you don't see this very often. 
Okay, and that ties me into this NFL, man. I picked the, I picked, and way off base, I picked the Indianapolis Colts to get the most wins in the AFC. I thought Matt yep. Ryan behind a good offensive line with a great running back. Well, the offensive line is tanked. He doesn't have a lot of weapons in the receiving core. Now he's benched for the rest of the season. He's the backup. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and I know they're kind of also talking about an injury is contributing to that, but for you, you know, for you to still be able to dress him and to make a pronouncement for the entire year and go to Sam Ellinger, who's got no body of work, that's, that's a bit of an indictment. And, yeah, they expected the offensive line to be great. Like, I was at their training camp uh, this year, and, you know, the big question mark was what do they have at receiver, right? They've got, like, Mo Ali cox and, uh, you know, Paris um, Campbell, you know, who's had three pl- injury plague seasons with so much promise. And, you know, there was a lot of guys that could do well, but it all had to fit together and work in order for it to actually – go well and it didn't and the line just flat out didn't deliver right and it wasn't all injury based they just underperformed right and and Matt Ryan certainly underperformed so it's been a tough one I mean I certainly had the Colts doing a lot better than they are now I don't know that I picked them for the most wins in the AFC but I certainly expected them to be a contender in their division and certainly I'm a fan of Frank Reich and obviously Marcus Brady with the CFL background we were hoping that he was going to be able to deliver really good things as his coaching career was ascending but yeah, I mean, it's fallen off fast. And now when you look at the decision, you can't help but think that, okay, there's a lot of intangibles around Sam Ellinger that people can like, right? His leadership and his preparation. And it was really lauded at Texas. And, and people really think that he can do that, you know, and, and replicate that and get that to the NFL level. But there's still a physical talent piece that he's got to show that he has. So they're taking a flyer. And if it doesn't work, they're setting themselves up essentially in tank lights. Uh, for a really, really good quarterback class this year, much better than last year's, and, you know, maybe set themselves up. Because, you know, ever since Peyton left, they thought they had it figured out with Andrew Luck, but then he got the injury, and, you know, really they just haven't been able to figure out that position, much like, you know, you look at Denver. They've just been dying to figure that position out. You know, John Elway leaves, and they had a four-year window where Peyton Manning was successful. They weren't able to figure it out on either end of that, so they bring in Russell Wilson. That doesn't work. Right, like there is so much desperation around that position, as there should be, and uh, Indianapolis is finding out the hard way that you can't put a bandaid on it. Hey, I'm sitting here getting ready to watch Connor Bedard play tonight. So the the Canucks are off to a great start for tanking for Connor. Yeah, BC, BC Bedard, yeah, they're they're all about him, right? I mean, they're saying he's arguably the best this province has ever produced, and and they should be in on him. But look, it's Canuck luck. Even if they finish 32nd in the NHL. They're not going to win the lottery, right? So, yeah, you get more chips at it, but they're not going to win it because that's just how it works. So uh, it's awful here. The sky is completely falling. Um, the team is bad. The team is fragile. Uh, this start is unfathomable. Like, the pace they'd have to go on to get back to where they were a year ago when they fired everybody is going to be hard. And from a fan perspective, the hardest part is you're just not seeing any direction, right? You, you know, like, people would accept the rebuild, but the way the roster is set up, a rebuild is impossible, so between that, frustration around the owner, it's not a good scene here in Vancouver on the hockey team. But guess what? Who gives a damn? Because there's a Western semifinal. They sold 10,000 tickets yesterday. Let's get behind the CFL team and not worry about that hockey team. I agree, Farhan. Great job. Yeah, that's awesome. I saw that. Good reporting by you. And uh, enjoy uh, the sports the rest of this week. We'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, buddy. That's all right. Far- Farhan Lalji joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll wrap the show up talking high school football action here on the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 C.
the kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, Aaron, so let us talk about the uh, playoff previews. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty here in high school football. Let's start with the 5A championship. Sheldon, 5 nothing victory over Johnson. So they were good on the defensive side of things and couldn't punch it in against Johnson, even though they had some cracks down deep. And they're going to go up against Belgoni Greenall. This should be a good contest. It will be. It's a, a rematch of last year's city championship, which uh, Greenall defeated Sheldon. Uh, Sheldon in a mild upset over Johnson. I think those are two very evenly matched teams. Obviously, the score indicated that. Uh, even though it was a 5 nothing game, there were a lot of good plays on both sides of the ball, and both teams had uh, opportunities to score. They just couldn't punch it in and were gambling on third down, uh, turning the ball over deep in each other's uh, territory a few times. There was a missed field goal. Uh, so there were points that were left on the field. So I'm not going to... Um... Uh, call out any uh, coaches. I've coached high school football as a, a guy who wasn't involved in the school, so one of the outside coaches. But our teachers don't get paid to do this. They they do it out of their own, uh, the goodness of their heart as part of their job, not like the states where you actually have paid high school coaches. But the O'Neill Titans had an 18 nothing lead over Winston Knoll. And maybe a coaching gaffe at the end of the game probably cost O'Neill. Instead of uh, giving up a safety and kicking it away, they, they ran two plays deep in their territory after turning away Winston Knoll and then punted it. No yard, short field, and Knoll comes back and wins that football game. So Winston Knoll advances. Uh, it, that was probably the game of the year, and honestly, it's one of those situations where it's a tale of two halves, right? O'Neill's up 18 nothing at the half. The game looks over. They've got all the confidence and momentum. Uh, then the flip switches in the second half. It's total reversal. Uh, Noel starts marching the ball. O'Neill uh, had one first down in the entire second half. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, late in the fourth quarter, uh, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Coulda, woulda, shoulda, but... Uh, as it turned out, yeah, Noel working on a short field and they get the go-ahead touchdown and, and win by two. It was a great game. So Winston Noel goes up against the juggernaut Miller Marauders. I would, no disrespect to uh, Andrew Turbuck and his team at Winston Noel, but they will need a miracle to beat this team. There will have to be the worst game that uh, Miller ever plays or some sort of catastrophic injuries for Winston Noel to win, which, you know what, if you're Winston Noel, that's like playing with house money. Who knows, Maybe you can shock the world. Well, absolutely. I mean, if we talk about Monday Night Football, uh, who would have thought the Bears come out and lay a licking on uh, the Patriots with uh, Belichick in uh, line to be the second winningest all-time head coach? So, yeah, these things are they are never played in paper. They're never played in the media. You just don't know. Uh, would it be a tall order? Absolutely. Noel has to play their absolute best game. You have to hope that uh, Miller, with the two-week layoff, maybe there's uh, you know a lack of some uh, momentum and carryover from their regular season success. And uh, you know if you can get it into the third quarter in a one or one-score game, ten points down, who knows? You've got a shot. Now size up this other one for me: the Labolda's Golden Suns, who are usual powerhouses, started kind of slow this year, picked up steam. Uh, but this is an evenly matched game. The Riffle Royals are a good football team, too, led by their longtime coach, Derek Pilon. Yeah, this is going to be a great matchup. This might be the matchup of, uh, of the night on Friday at uh, Mosaic, uh, simply because Laboldis has a great running game. They can throw it, too. Uh, Riffle prefers the passing game, so 
if the weather uh, looks like it does uh, now, uh, that favors the run game. But it's supposed to be fairly decent Friday night, so I'm sure Coach Pilon is uh, hoping for that. Uh, but certainly both teams can score a bushel load of points. Uh, I would expect, uh, you know, you know, if you're looking at an over-under, you're probably talking 50 points for sure between the two teams. So, yeah, that uh, that should be a great game. That's the 7.30 late start. So, Aaron, what does it cost somebody to come to a game in the playoffs? Uh, adults are $7. Grade 7 to 12 students are 6 And under grade 7 is $3. And that, if you're doing a doubleheader, that gets you into both games. So if you want to watch them both, seven bucks, uh, very cheap. If you're just watching the one game, that's what it is. So we pre-sell the tickets in the schools. Uh, sometimes we sell out at school, so they're always available at the gate. And again, just be patient with the lineup. Get there a little bit early. No, it's a little bit chilly, but uh, bring a blanket, bring some hot shots, uh, canteens <laughs> open, hot chocolate, coffee, all the gear. All right. Okay. And lastly, you're a you're a knowledgeable fan of sports because we talk uh, off the air too. Just your thoughts on what went on with the Rough Riders this year, and and uh, you know your thoughts going forward with the team. Well, I think whenever you have a bad season, you have to remember what's happened previously. And obviously, we've had a tremendous amount of success uh, in the Dickinson O'Day era. So, um, you know, is it easy to house clean and easy to point fingers for sure? Uh, I think the question you have to ask yourselves is if you do clean house, you're probably looking at a minimum two-year rebuild. Uh, look what's happened in Edmonton. You can bring in a tremendous head coach in Chris Jones. Uh, he's going to go through a roster of 100 players. Uh, takes time to find his guys. Did he find some by the end of the year? Sure. Uh, are we going to be able to, to find players immediately? Probably not. I hear the uh, O-line uh, draft class out of uh, U-Sport this year is fairly light. So obviously that's a need for the riders, but it may not be immediate. And most of those guys don't start in their first year anyway. So I'm going to have to exude some patience here and just watch the draft play out and watch some free agency play out. Um, you know, if I had to be a betting man, I don't think they make a ton of changes. I think you have to uh, give a regime a second year, try and find a quarterback and then uh, see what you can build on. Great words from Aaron Anderson, the uh, commissioner of the Regina High School Athletic Association. Take care. Enjoy the games this week. Hey, thanks, Paul. I appreciate you having me on. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.